it is one of the most disgusting misuses of the Bible in all of history. It was used to justify the enslavement, torture, abuse, and slaughter of millions of Africans. We're going to look at the curse of Ham today on the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. The Curse of Ham is a theological interpretation derived from a biblical episode in Genesis 9. Historically, the passage has been invoked to justify racial inequity and provide a religious rationale for the subjugation of black people. Let's start by reading these few sentences at almost the very beginning of the Bible. Now, this happens just after Noah and his family get off the ark after the great flood. There's a lot here, and a lot of it is confusing. But pay attention to what is happening with one of the sons of Noah named Ham. Of course, that's a ridiculous name in English, but not in the original language. That was just his name. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Genesis 9, starting in verse 20. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. So, the exact curse is actually pretty ambiguous, and the curse is actually on Ham's son, Canaan. He curses Canaan to serve Japheth and Shem. That is the curse of Ham. There it is. So, during the era of the transatlantic slavery, proponents of slavery, mostly Christians, used this passage to argue that the descendants of Ham were cursed to servitude. Still, this was seen as a divine sanction for the subjugation of African peoples. This misinterpretation was particularly prevalent in the United States, where pro-slavery theologians and apologists invoked the curse of Ham to legitimize the institution of slavery. Theological arguments were interwoven with pseudoscientific theories that sought to establish the inferiority of black people based on their supposed descendants from Ham. It's incredibly hard to get into the mindset of these theologians and see from their perspective, but uh, as difficult as that is, let me try my best to make or to restate the argument that they present. We have to assume that this biblical curse lasts until the present day. I don't see any way around that, and I honestly don't see any reason for it, but we have to make that assumption. So let's assume somehow that this curse is continuing to be for all the descendants of Canaan until today. And if that is the case, then there has to be some group of people, all descended from Canaan, which are still under the curse to serve everyone else in the world. Now, why would we think that these are the Africans? Or, the, or black people. Well, now we have to bring in the pseudoscience and maybe sort of pseudo-sociology. This argumentation got, a, got going as a way to justify what was already being done in the enslavement of the Africans. So 
let's all notice that they that the Africans allowed themselves to be captured, that they are actually doing work for their masters, and let's combine that with the theological principle that God controls and directs all things. If it was wrong, God wouldn't let us do it. And if they weren't under the curse, they wouldn't be so willing to serve us. There also are some clear signs that the Africans are inferior in their minds. After all, most of the adults don't know how to read English. They don't appreciate classical music, and they eat like slobs. In all those ways, they seem much more like really smart farm animals, and so it seems that God made them to be servants. I hope that you can see a thousand horrible assumptions and logical fallacies in what I just said. But if you're trying to justify a life of sinful luxury, you're going to have to look past horrible assumptions and logical fallacies. And I want to bring this up and put this here because this line of thinking is not only for the historical value of it, but also because remnants of this way of thinking continue to pop up. A prominent person in a prominent church was teaching on personality types and told me that God gave all black slaves submissive personalities so that they could survive. I was stunned into silence. The rise of white nationalism and so-called white Christian nationalism relies on these sorts of assumptions, pseudoscience and biblical misunderstandings. Christian pastors and theologians used the curse of Ham to justify unspeakable horrors. This really was the main biblical justification of the transatlantic slave trade. I've seen study Bibles, old ones, that explain the curse of Ham in the footnotes as it was ingrained in generations of Christians in England and especially the American South. And it is so patently and clearly a justification after the fact, a grasping at straws. Maybe someday I'll do an episode on race in the Bible, but let me give you a teaser. Moses married a black woman, and his family didn't like that one bit. Go look it up and see what God has to say about it. But for now, red and yellow, black, brown, and white, we are all precious in his sight. Hey there, amazing listeners of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. I've got something special to share with you today. First off, if you are loving what you hear, do me a solid and spread the word. Tell a friend, a colleague, or even a neighbor about the podcast. It's the best way to help me grow and reach more people like you. And don't forget to hit the follow button yourself so you never miss an episode. Next up, I would love to hear from you. Your feedback means the world to me. Take a moment to rate and review on your favorite podcast player. Your reviews will help others to discover the soulful goodness of the Gospel Gumbo podcast. And then, if you've got suggestions or corrections or you just want to say hi, shoot me an email. I am all ears, and I can't wait to hear from you. And now for something really exciting. I've set up a special opportunity for our dedicated listeners. If you've ever wished that you could binge on more Gospel Gumbo goodness without any interruptions, well, now you can For just $5, you can unlock access to 10 bonus episodes and enjoy all the episodes ad-free. Just click on the link in the show notes to get started. Now, why is there an emphasis on downloads, feedback, and support? It's simple. The more love I receive from you all, the sooner I can roll out Season 2. 
So thanks for being part of the Gospel Gumbo family. Your support keeps me going.